Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of Laces Out. Jared Bailey, Kurt Homister with you as always. Kurt, you got a busy week this past week. Obviously, offseason stuff starting to pick up a little bit. We're getting closer to you know the free agency period opening up. How are you doing, my friend? I could not be better because you just said that. The, the draft is coming up. Draft talk is hot. Free agency is coming up. Free agency is hot. I The rumors are flying. Uh, the city of Buffalo is about to burn down, waiting on the decision of Mr. J.J. Watt. So we're having a good time. You know, we're, we're staying safe, staying healthy, and uh, just looking forward to some football coming up here. Yes, and the city of Pittsburgh is on the brink of a yin explosion, depending on what happens in the next couple of weeks. But um, joining us today, the man with the best goatee in the business, Mike Tanier. Sir, how are you doing? I have combine withdrawal. I am missing the scouting combine. I just realized today is Sunday. This is normally the day I fly back from Indianapolis to Philadelphia with the most florid hangover a human being can have <laughs> and hug my wife and, and, and pat my kids on the head and then go and watch the, the drills because there's still more stuff work to do. But, uh, but, I, but I'm feeling it right now. I'm, I'm not hungover, and it feels weird. It feels weird. <laughs> Yeah, that was the one thing that, um, I mean, obviously being the senior bowl was very cool, but I was very much looking forward to attending the combine for the first time. And obviously the fact that it's not happening in person put a little bit of a damper on that. But um, obviously we've still got a lot to discuss based off of whether it's draft talk, whether it's free agency, or whether it's Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans, because gents, it's uh, it's been a chaotic, probably about you know, a couple months, maybe month and a half or so, because uh we all know the story. Deshaun Watson says this, this relationship might be irreparable. The Houston Texans say, nonsense. Deshaun Watson says, <laughs> I would like to be traded. The Houston Texans say, have you met our new head coach yet? Deshaun Watson <laughs> says, yes, I'm not playing there next year. The Houston Texans say, like hell you aren't. And Deshaun Watson says, I'd still like to be traded. And the Houston Texans say, can't wait to see it OTAs. So it's a never ending, it's a never ending cycle with that, with that <laughs> duo there. And uh, it's, it's entertaining but it's also getting a little old at the same time. Just get it done. Just, just get it done. Get what you need. Move on. Start fresh. It, it's great. More stuff came out, I believe, in the wee hours of the morning. Pretty much, Houston just reiterating, yeah, he's the. We have no plans of sending him anywhere. So, Mike, based off your your opinion on this, does this thing get done? If so, when and maybe where? It's like a couple going to the marriage counselor, and the one don't want to be there. <laughs> it's all that's all this is it's all yes. and the and and the one who's obviously the problem in the relationship now of course a marriage counselor will say usually both parties are a problem in the relationship <laughs> but we've seen relationships where one party is pretty much the problem uh and they're the one who comes in and they're like texting during the thing that's that's what we're up against you're asking you're asking is does this get done the level of arrogance it takes to be the houston texans and to create this mess 
is the exact level of arrogance to do nothing about it and just dig in their heels and pretend this is not a problem and need to be sort of shown the door of no Watson during OTAs, assuming that they're kind of normal OTAs this year, no Watson at training camp. Oh, we're finding Watson $10,000 a day and trying to cast him as being selfish and trying all of that and banging their head into a media wall where people are like, no, we don't believe, yeah, the vast majority of people, you know, who don't storm Capitol buildings, don't believe this nonsense. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, that's, that's where we're going to be with this. Now there's two outcomes. Now this is going to, I, my prediction is this going to linger into September. I apologize for the political joke. Uh, it's going to linger into September, linger into October. There's two outcomes. Either the Texans come out smelling like, 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 like flowers and roses because somebody just wants three first round picks and throws all this at them. They're like, haha, we drove his market value up by waiting forever. Or they wait so long, everybody drafts a quarterback, everybody signs a free agent, everybody gets their Carson Wentz or whatever. And they have to take whatever they can get and they wind up, yeah, they'll get a first round pick for them no matter what, but they'll move Watson in October or September for some teams, 2021 first round pick. And they'll act like that was a big success on their part. So that's how I think this is. This doesn't, and this isn't rational. This is not a rational thing. You know, I, I watch my colleagues be like, of course, they're never going to trade Watson. They shouldn't trade Watson. That's not the way they're thinking. They're thinking there's not a problem right now. Not that like, you, you know, oh, we're not going to trade Watson, but we're going to talk to him and give him a financial apology <laughs> and have a big meeting and, and you know, uh, you donate some money to his favorite charity. That's not how this is happening. It's not rational. No. So look for irrational solutions. And it's it's just at this point, it's it's gone. I, it, there is no salvaging this. I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson has made up his mind. He knows he wants out. I, I don't blame him in the slightest. I don't think anybody right. should. He was given the worst hand. You know, he, he comes in, you know, they're good. He's hot. He's got some nice pieces around him. And then what do they do for him? They do nothing for him. So he's in the prime of his career. I'm, I don't like the the whole argument of, you know, you get drafted by this team, you get signed by this team, stick with this team. Yeah, you know, there, there's a certain degree of, of loyalty in sports that should be followed. But if you think about it, these guys work their entire life to get to this point, to get to the NFL – they're not just going to waste away their career. They, they have one shot at this and I don't blame Deshaun Watson in the slightest. I think they need to move him immediately. They should have done it months ago. I, I, I don't like my mortgage. or get my mortgage torn up. Yeah. Yeah. Such situation changes with one of my employers. I say, I want to restructure. If not, I'll dig my heels in. I'll take a fine. I'll eat the money. Whatever. That's what we do in this world. And, and it's not just the bad hand. It's, it's the level of lack of professionalism. Obviously, everything that we're hearing coming out of here with this Easterby character, with the way they're running things right now, with some of the broken, flat-out promises they made to him and the expectations. This isn't your typical guy. Well, I'm, I'm just mad because I don't have a good enough offensive line. It's not Russell Wilson at this point. This is, this is broken promises. This is, uh, this is a situation that anyone would look at this and say, I want out of this. And, and, you know, in the NFL, in major sports, most organizations are like, okay, we'll accommodate this one way or the other. Even if the accommodation is, well, maybe, maybe if we pay you more, maybe if we talk to you more. When the team won't do any of that, it's just proving that the player's case is, is justified. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Russell Wilson. That's a perfect transition into um, another situation going on because this is arguably even a weirder situation. You know, comes out, <laughs> Russell Wilson's asked for a trade. Oh, I didn't ask for a trade. I just said if I were to be traded, this is who I'd want to go to. So I'm not going to cheat on my wife. But if I were, these are the three that I'd pick. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and it's not, oh, if I wouldn't cheat on my wife. Uh, or, or some other Foxy girls, it's Margot Robbie or The Rock. 
or you know so the the barista down the street that nobody's ever heard of. The, <laughs> the list doesn't make any sense. Yes, yes. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, for, sorry. For, sorry. for anybody that for anybody that doesn't know, the four teams on that list that that Russell Wilson said, yeah, if I, if I don't stick around here in Seattle, I'd rather go to the Raiders, the Bears, <laughs> the Saints. Don't forget, I said the Bears, the Chicago yeah. Bears, the, and the Cowboys. I, I the list makes no sense to me, none no. whatsoever. None of those seem appealing. Maybe the Raiders, I guess. I guess maybe the Saints, but the Saints have no money. I don't. It, I don't know. I don't get it. No weather. The weather doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. People were like, uh, you know, you know, Sierra's calling the shots. Oh yeah, Sierra, explain why she wants to go to Chicago. Explain yeah. that to me with the world right. of like of like uh, pop music and stuff like that. No, I, he, I think Russell wasn't a case of the feels. It was all up in his feelings and talked to somebody about it, and now we're stuck in. We're you had a corny this. guy like Russell Wilson getting up in his feelings about something weird. Oh, man, who would have ever thought that would happen? Right, right, right. The season doesn't go well. He's stuck in a quarantine somewhere on a beach with his fabulous wife and the, and the kids. And, like, and he's talking to a buddy like, man, I don't know. Be cool to play for the Bears. Like, like it starts with that. And now here we are, like, like burning energy for the, 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 uh, sorry, the Seahawks cannot really trade him with the, the, the cap situation that they would have to eat would be insane with mm-hmm. that. The teams he mentioned are not teams that have draft capital to give back for him. So yeah, I, I will only play for teams that have like the 22nd overall pick to send back or, or, or whatever. So none of this makes any sense. And I think it's a case of he wants to get on the phone with the GM and he wants to get on the phone with Pete Carroll and he wants to talk about the offensive line and the weapons and the offense. And I think that's what we're hearing, but it's been megaphone through this madness about wanting, wanting to play for the Bears. You know, we had uh, Ben Albright on uh, right before the Spina Bowl or whatnot, and we were talking about the Deshaun Watson trade, and he compared it to the fact that around this time every year, it seems that the Russell Wilson trade rumors start leaking, and then a couple weeks later, here we are talking about, oh, is Russell Wilson going to be traded? But I just don't seem to understand why it seems to be problematic to have a star quarterback in the room discussing the guys who are going to protect him. Is that... I just don't, is that common throughout the league or are these teams just incompetent of handling their star players? I, I don't know if Wilson's ever had any kind of input. I think it's unique in Watson that he was a much younger than the other guys, but B they told him he would have input. So it doesn't matter when you tell somebody you have input, that's you're, you're having input. I think that there's a degree to which, you know, these things are listened to, these things are talked about and it's not official, but there's a recognition on most teams that, the star quarterback, like you, you have to meet him a certain percentage of the way on these things. Certainly a Brady, certainly an Eli at the end of his career, probably Roethlisberger to a degree. That sort of ego management, et cetera, has been part of it. I remember years ago, Troy Aikman, Jerry would bring Troy Aikman in. Okay. But Jerry's different. So, you know, that, that, that's a different kind of thing. So, so, you know, th- there's a, it's what you're talking about. You're talking about like, right of like, don't draft him or else. I think that's ludicrous. I don't think you would you would give that to anybody unless they were Tom Brady four years ago, maybe, you know, is it, Hey, give us a list of the wide receivers you like, and we'll talk about them a little bit. And then we're still going to make our decision. There's ways you can do this. We've all been employees. We've all been employees who brought in, like, we just want your input on things. We're, we're still the bosses and definitely a Russell, a Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. These guys should have that level of, of conversation, yes, that level of relationship yes. with their GMs and head coaches, especially if they've all been together for eight, nine years away. Wilson is with that with that with the Seahawks. If that's not the case, maybe they should incorporate more of that 
to, to make him a little bit happier and to make sure that they're putting together a product where, yes, he's getting offensive linemen or receivers he feels comfortable with. He at least hears his voice be heard. Right. I exactly. I, I think right. that's, the, that's yeah. the thing to remember is because, I mean, you mentioned Seattle there, but you think of a team like Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, possibly one of the greatest to ever do it. Well, he is, not possibly. And you need to work with him. You say, right. Right. what do you want? We right. know we need wide receivers, but right. what kind of wide receiver? You need to have these conversations with him to right. make him happy, to make him feel like he's still wanted there with all the rumors going on of, you know, oh, he's going to get traded, he's going to get cut. Make him feel wanted. And, right. I mean, that that's the key for any player, but especially, especially – your star number one quarterback, but real quick here, um, Mike, you mentioned the the implications if Seattle actually traded Russell Wilson. Uh-huh. Does anybody? I don't know, Mike. If you might know this answer, do you know the dead cap hit that Seattle would take if they traded him, Jared? I'll ask you first. Take a guess. Is, well, it, north guess. Of, is it north of forty? Yes, it okay. is north of forty. Fifty-eight million dollar <laughs> dead cap hit if they trade Russell Wilson. Fifty-eight. That's a lot keep of in, zeros. Keep in mind that the previous record of dead cap money has been broken twice in the past month after yes. Stafford was traded for Goff and then mm-hmm. Carson Wentz was traded. Both of those are low 30s. I would think right. Goff was 30, Wentz was yeah. like 32, 33 in that range. So right. that would absolutely blow it out million. Of water. 58 million. Not by a rebuilding team. So the Eagles would be like, we're just going to eat cap because this is where we are. Right. But for a team that yep. was in the playoffs, is in the playoffs every year. Yeah, you, you cannot do that. Yeah. You cannot do that. And then you cannot do that and say, oh, yeah, well, it'll be fine because we'll get the, the 22nd overall pick back from something like this. It's, it's ludicrous. It's, it is. And we'll it draft is, but... Kyle Trask to lead the train and everything <laughs> yeah. will be fine. And you can't even say, well, you know what? We'll start by calling the Jets because he took that off the table. Yeah. Uh, we'll call yeah. the Jets. And even if you would no trade clause the Jets away, we can we can play another team off the Jets. To get he took that away from you. So it is, this is not – like I said, the, t- the Texans are being irrational. It's not a rational market right now. It's all about Bruce quarterback egos and feelings and, and sunbeams and unicorns. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's kind of what we're dealing with with a few of these teams right now. And everybody, speak- needs to be, everybody needs to get to the combine. Everybody needs to get a prime 33 steakhouse and St. Yes. Elmo's and get drunk as a skunk at 3 in the morning and scream at each other for a solid 45 minutes and everybody be back to – okay, you happy now, Russ? We, we're going to draft an offensive tackle. You happy? Yeah, we're good. We would have all gotten out of our system – but we're all sitting at home thinking about this stuff. Even the GM. Mike, Mike has seen a thing or two, I guess, at the uh, at the combine. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a, a few things go down there. But uh, <laughs> speaking of quarterbacks with large e- large egos, we head now to my neck of the woods in the Steel City because this just seems to be another thing that gets discussed every year. You know, the Steelers come out, they crap the bed down the stretch and lose three out of their final four. They absolutely diarrhea the bed in the playoff game against Cleveland. And then we see the scene with Big Ben and Marquise Pouncey crying on the sidelines together. Marquise Pouncey retires. We think that Ben Roethlisberger, this might be it. And then inevitably, the icy light king comes out and says, you know what, let's do this one more time. Ownership says, well, Ben, you're going to, we can bring you back, but you're going to take less money. Ben says, I'll play for the league minimum. The ownership says, well, he's on the roster right now, which sounded vaguely familiar to what Les Need said about Jared Goff 10 minutes before he traded him. So right now in Pittsburgh, it's not just the Ben Roethlisberger situation. It's the fact that now the murmurs of JJ Watt coming to play with his two brothers. It's a whole Bud Dupree situation. Is he going to come back? The whole Yenzer nation is just losing their minds right now. And I'm kind of hoping all of these things get announced at the same time, just to see Steelers Twitter absolutely die. So Mike Tanier, 
we can kind of break this down one by one. Is Ben Roethlisberger a Steeler in 2021? Yeah, it's how the organization does their business. Because like, the, the choice now would be to unceremoniously kind of release him. But if going to a trade market that, again, is, is cuckoo bananas, craze balls right now, you're not going to get a Ben Roethlisberger suitor. So. And, and I'll play for the league. Minimum is, is a catard. You know, the money that he costs them is leftover bonus money. Oh, uh, You're going to waive your $15 million roster bonus? He's not going to do that. I don't know if he even can. I'm not even sure that's even a thing, unless you just tear mm-hmm. things up. So, so he's coming back. He's going to cost them a lot of money. And he's going to be a deteriorated quarterback from the quarterback we saw at the end of the last year, which was pretty deteriorated. So – He's back, and I, I wrote it, and it's coming out on Pro Football Network. I got a couple of scenarios for the Steelers moving forward. One is the Tom Brady scenario, where it turns out, hey, Roethlisberger really wasn't washed. He just looked washed. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the defense plays great the way the Buccaneers did, and he gets a little bit better, and the weapons, you know, not as many drop passes by Deontay, whatever, and they win the Super Bowl. So that's one really unlikely one. There's the Drew Brees slash Phillip Rivers scenario. Let's go all in one more year. And let's prop them up with everything we got and let's burn the future salary cap to the absolute ground and, and, and put this team together. And it works pretty well. He gets you to 11 wins, 12 wins. You get to the wild card. The fact that he's dust comes out against a better opponent somewhere along the way. I think that's possible. I think they could go win 11, 12 games of the game manager. I think they just did. That's what they just did. And if you try to do it two or three times in a row, guess what diminishing returns come in. Another possibility is the Eli Manning possibility where we just saw the last hurrah. We just saw that, what was it, 2016 team that, that Eli had that uh, Beckham caught 110 passes or whatever, and he looked okay. And then it just went. <laughs> There's a chance that that's what we're seeing here. And you're going to see, like the Giants, because the Steelers operate like the Giants in a lot of ways. Uh, we got to prop them up some more. We can't put another guy in. And then at one point, the, the coach gets mad and Tomlin sticks Rudolph or uh, Dobbs or somebody out there, and it's embarrassing, and it's a mess. And he comes back. You're going to see all that kind of nonsense. I think there's a really good chance you're going to see that kind of thing 2021 for the Steelers. I, I will say this, Jared, you, you won't like it, but <laughs> if Ben Roethlisberger is the starting quarterback for the Steelers next year, which it seems in all likelihood that it will happen, the Steelers aren't winning that division. Uh, the Browns ha- have built a nice team. They were very close last year. The Ravens are still a nice team. I mean, I don't, Cincinnati's not going to win the division, but. You put Cincinnati against Pittsburgh head-to-head with a healthy Joe Burrow. I mean, they beat him with Ryan Finley last year. You put him in with a healthy <laughs> Joe Burrow. That's going to that's gonna be a tough competition. So, I, I don't I don't see Pittsburgh winning that division with Big Ben in there. He's, he just, you know, everything that he's done, everything that he's seen, he's been around the block. He knows how to do it, but he just can't anymore. I, 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 like you said, Mike, it's a it's a stretch for it to be like a, a Tom Brady situation. But I'll say I'll say this though, because they absolutely ate Joe Burrow alive when they played him last year, and Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger had arguably his best game of the season that year. So, um, <laughs> the Ryan Finley game, yes, defense was terrible. Ben Roethlisberger was terrible. That was when they were in the midst of that just god awful stretch after they lost to Washington. So yeah, down the stretch it was bad. Um, here's the thing: Cleveland scares me a lot more than Baltimore does for a few reasons. One, their run game is disgusting. Their defense is better. Um, and Lamar Jackson struggles against Pittsburgh. We saw it last year, even when he played them. Um, and Duck Hodges, barring a Juju Smith-Schuster fumble in overtime, <laughs> looked like he was about to lead them down the field uh, to, to win the game. Because we got to remember, in that situation, it went to overtime. Steelers won the toss. They deferred. They said, give it to Lamar. We'll, so we'll stop him. Lo and behold, three and out. Duck Hodges looks good. And then Marlon Humphrey punches the ball out of Juju's hands. And Justin Tucker, who never misses except, apparently, against Buffalo. 
um, get, gets the job done. But um, I'm a lot more, if I'm, you know, from a Steelers fan perspective, I'm a lot more worried about Cleveland than I am about Baltimore. Um, now, Cincinnati is the wild card in this because with a healthy Joe Burrow, if they get a little bit better offensive line wise, I think they will. If they get Sewell from from Oregon, fix some teeth. I'm a little bit more afraid of Cincinnati too. I mean, it's going to be a fun division, but there's no reason why the Steelers. And it might piss Ben Roethlisberger off, but at this point, he's 97 years old, walking on broken knees. They've got to get somebody, whether that be a surprise trade for a Sam Darnold who can sit for a year and then take over after Ben's gone, whether that's a blockbuster trade up into the top three to get one of these guys, which I highly doubt will happen, but I can be hopeful that Kevin Colbert does this. Um, But the more likely scenario seems to be trading for a guy, like I said, like a Sam Darnold, have him wait for a year. And then go from there because the guys that they have on the roster right now, as Mike likes to call me, and Rudolph Slurry isn't getting the job done. Um, <laughs> Josh Dobbs isn't going to be the guy. I just, and I promise you, Dwayne Haskins will not be the guy. So well, I it's forgot a, about, it's I a forgot mess. they have Haskins now. Yes. They have Paxton I wish Lynch I could forget Lynch. they had Haskins now. Yeah. Paxton Lynch and Dwayne Haskins are pretty much the same guy. And, yeah. uh, and so that, that you're going to get more of the same on that. So, yeah. And one of the things, the Ravens, you look at the cap situation, they're probably going to lose some guys, infrastructure type guys like Matt Juden uh, and Orlando Brown and all. And that's going to make it harder for them to maintain what they've been doing the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the yeah. fact that uh, the other left tackle, Stanley, he's coming off an injury that ended his yep. season as well, I believe. So. Yeah. He, I mean, they're it's, already in a little bit of offensive line trouble. And it's it's important to remember, too, because we saw an absolutely dominant defensive effort by Pittsburgh all year long. Mm-hmm. That's not easy to, to maintain two right. years in a row. It, it's, you know, they're they're still going to be good. They got T.J. Watt, right. but, you know, they're most likely going to lose Bud Dupree. They're, things change every single year, every single week in the NFL. Pittsburgh right. will still have a good defense. I don't know if it'll be a, a tops in the league defense because, you know, teams figure things out. Other teams change offenses. I mean, you face a new team every week. So I I, th- I think Pittsburgh will still, you know, probably be a wild card team. I just, I don't see them winning that division. I, I can't put them in that spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and if you, when you go line item through last season, one thing I've noticed, I was really studying the edge rushers and all. The bad teams really, the bad offenses really made the great defenses look better last year. Mm-hmm. NFC East offenses in general are making defenses look better. You would see a team and they realize, oh, that was the third string quarterback that week. Oh, that was the COVID week, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And you'll see, you saw Washington feast on that a little bit and that made their defense look, look better. I didn't look at Chicago much, but I bet if I started going through that, there'd be instances, a couple instances, obviously Garrett Gilbert type stuff with the Steelers. Again, like you said, very strong defense, have some top end personnel. If you're looking for historic defense to carry you year in, year out, that's what the Broncos kept thinking for the last six years. And you can very easily turn into the Broncos uh, waiting for that one magic year when it's all like 2015 again. Well, let's hope that that doesn't happen for my sake and for Steelers Nation's sake. Mike Tanner, we always appreciate your time, sir. You take care of yourself. We will talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Take care and and enjoy the offseason, gentlemen. Thanks, Uh, Mike. You too. Thank you, sir. All right, Mike Tanier, Pro Football Network, anywhere you can find football writing. Apparently, Mike is there. Yes. I always enjoy talking to him. Um, but no, this is a situation, I mean, as a Steelers fan perspective, it's it's not going away, and it does ring very familiar to the situation of Eli Manning, and I'm dreading that it could be coming there because that's obviously <laughs> not what we want to happen. But I don't know, from the looks of it, uh, this just seems like 
especially with the fact that Philip Rivers is walking away. It just seems poetic that Ben should yes. walk away, but it doesn't seem like he is. It, it does not. Um, I mean, if, yeah, you know, this is their passion. This is what they've always done is play football and he's a legend, but you know, if you're a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, you're coming off a rough year, you know, you're going to say, I don't want to end on that, but do you really want to risk it and play another year and have something worse happen? Do you want to end off on a, a worse note than you did losing to the Cleveland Browns? I mean, I would just say, you know, granted, I don't know if there is a worse note that you could go out on in that. I, mean, I know he set yes, like the yes. record for most completions in any game ever, but he also <laughs> threw it 87 times or something disgusting. Like, yes. I think it was actually 68 attempts that he had that game, which is absurd. I mean, it's that, yeah, that's kind of the two way street that you're looking at. If you're Big Ben, you're saying, I don't want, I don't want to go out losing to my division rival that I embarrassed my entire career, but I don't want to come back and, and have it be even worse off because you know I'm, I'm old I'm feeling achy every week I'm I got a new injury so it's 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 a it's a tough tough decision I mean it's it can't be easy for these guys but if you're Pittsburgh I say uh, please whatever you do just just step away let it let us rebuild let us not even rebuild but bring somebody else in that that can get us there because we're close ride this defense ride these nice young pieces that you got and maybe you could get there but with Big Ben, I just I can't can't see it happening. Yeah, and I mean, as fun as it would be, and as miraculous as it would be to see him just come out and as good a shape as he can be, and <laughs> put together some magic carpet ride where he rides off into the sunset with a third Lombardi. I don't see it happening either, unfortunately. But you know, we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, we've got a, a lot of months to to see what happens but um yes so, so tell you what we can take how much time we've got left before we've got to take a break uh, i don't know we we got some time i haven't gotten a little warning yet so uh all right a little beautiful time. so um we could we transition to some draft talk now um <laughs> thor nystrom put out uh a little bit of a, a mockery tweet but it made me laugh mm-hmm. uh he said ian book measured into the combine uh, obviously, this is all virtual, so they're doing their own virtual workouts and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, saying 6'5", 235 with 12-inch hands, ran a 4'4", 240, and during throwing drills, threw a Nerf ball through a brick wall to display his arm strength. <laughs> Sign so me offici- up. It's officially troll season um, for <laughs> NFL Draft Twitter, and I'm here for it. And yes. obviously, the past few months, I think since the turn of the calendar, really, we've you know mock drafts have been more and more prominent, and you and I have put together our own and we did it the last show uh we can do a little bit more mock draft talk did you make yours or i don't i don't have a complete first round yet i'm gonna i'm gonna my goal you know you, you can pump out mock draft 1.0 2.0 3.0 my goal i like to just make one stick with it you know i i don't want to release it too early i want to do it maybe a little bit closer to the draft but i like to just do one maybe i'll do two one with trades one without but i i was thinking for this show maybe we could just you know not not go through one through 32, but maybe some surprising picks. Maybe talk about some, some trades that are going on. Yeah, um, I like that. And, and you know, the, the fun stuff of the draft. I, I dig that. So what I did do is that I did make a full one. And I pulled it up, screenshotted everything. Let me pull it up now as I'm unprepared. All right. So I did do trades. Because okay. obviously that's one of the more fun things that we can do. So yes. the first big one, so I've got 
Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson going one, two, which means that Sam Darnold gets traded. I'm still crossing my fingers that he ends up a Pittsburgh Steeler. Let's, let's hope for the best here. <laughs> Third overall, we got San Francisco trading into the first top three. Okay. Trey Lance. And I think that's the okay. big one that, you know, the more I'm going to release my Trey Lance film session three later on in the day, I think that's going to be the more I watch him, the more he just fits Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Everything that he is able to do, I think the schemes that North Dakota State runs too. I mean, it's more run centric offense with a lot of fun little routes from tight ends and whatnot. I think that just fits Trey Lance to a T. So I think that that just makes sense. Um, I like that. Note, and I, yeah. I, I think I think that San Francisco is in a perfect spot because you're sitting at 12. And, you know, if you're a team like – who needs a quarterback? If you're a team like Chicago, you're sitting at 20. Mm. It's going to cost a lot if you want to move into the top 10. But if you're a team like San Francisco, sitting at 12 – you can With give a up a ton I mean, of draft capital this year. Too. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have to give up a ton to say, move up to eight where Carolina is move up to, you know, any of those teams that don't necessarily need a quarterback, even five Cincinnati, they don't need a quarterback right now. Um, I think they'll probably want to stick there because they could get a, a high end talent at five, yes. but I think Carolina makes a lot of sense. If, if Carolina doesn't love a Trey Lance, if they don't love somebody that's still sitting there, they can move back. Denver can move back. There, there's a few spots in there that that can make a, a big difference for a franchise. And San Francisco's in a good spot. I, I think they could. Um, w- there was rumors a couple of weeks ago. You know, when when all the quarterback rumors were flying, I think Adam Schefter tweeted out a list of all the quarterbacks that could be moved, and Kirk yeah. Cousins was mm-hmm. on that list. Now, it would not be easy to move on from Kirk Cousins because he has a lot of money tied up to him, not $58 million tied up to him like Russell Wilson, but a lot of money tied up into him. But for the fun, what if Minnesota finds a way to get rid of Kirk Cousins and then moves into the top 10? I don't think Kirk Cousins is the answer long-term. I don't even think Minnesota thinks he is. He can win games. Is Kirk Cousins going to win you a Super Bowl? I don't think so. I would I would vote no if, if I had – if you had to choose if Kirk Cousins could win a Super Bowl for the Minnesota Vikings, I would say no. He, he'll get you to the conference finals. He's not going to win you the big one. I don't think so. There's a thing about trades, though, and I'm glad that you mentioned this, because the past, like I said with Mike, the past month and a half, we've seen the two biggest dead cap money trades happen in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff, $30 million hit. Carson Wentz, I think it was a $33 million hit. In a matter of three weeks of each other. So yep. in terms of dead money, unless it's astronomical like a Russell Wilson, and I'm still not even going to rule that out. At this point, I'm not going to rule anything out due to money because it's been proven that the cap can be played with, it can be toyed with, and it can be fixed. Okay, Kirk Cousins, dead cap hit. It's 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 close for Russell Wilson. Is 40, it? 41 million. Not close, but you know, that is that's beefy. That's a big cap hit. $41 million. For anybody, I don't know, you know, anybody that's listening, if you're not totally certain what the what the dead cap hit is. If a team trades, so let's say the Minnesota Vikings trade Kirk Cousins, they would have to eat that that forty-one million dollars, and that would count towards their their um their cap the cap for the twenty twenty one season. That just you're you're paying that money for nothing because the player's not there anymore, and you're stuck with that money. So yeah. if if you ever hear you know the big numbers, that's why fifty-eight million dollars is a lot a lot of money if you trade a guy like Russell Wilson. So. Always keep an eye on the dead cap if you hear uh, any trade rumors flying around. 
I'm glad that you mentioned Carolina though, because ever since you brought up that whole Deshaun Watson situation, <laughs> I've convinced myself he's going to Carolina. I believe the I, Panthers are one of the teams that he named, correct? I think it was yes, the Jets, yes. Dolphins, and Panthers. I, I knew, I knew when I was planning for that episode, I knew I was going to put that in there, and I, I just knew that was something that you could roll with, and I oh, knew my you goodness. would love. Yeah, I, know you, so, I know you so well. And I incorporated it into this because uh, at eight, I do have the Panthers trading and to Houston. So Houston works themselves in the top 10 because God knows they're going to need a quarterback after that. So at eight, Justin Fields goes to the Houston Texans and all of a sudden the Houston Texans are a little bit more interesting um, because let's say Christian McCaffrey, let's say if Christian McCaffrey's part of that deal, now you got Justin Fields and Christian McCaffrey in Houston. I okay, think, but you but you have no defense and no offensive oh, line. Oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I'm not saying you're gonna be good. I'm saying you're gonna be interesting. I didn't say yes, they're gonna be okay, good. Okay, they're still okay. gonna be a maybe four or five win team, but that's a hell of a lot better than being in a situation where you got a guy like AJ McCarron or whoever the hell their backup is starting mm-hmm. and winning maybe one game and getting the number one pick next year. Um, so it's I think it could be a fun situation to talk about simply because if Chris McCaffrey's part of that deal, which he very much well could be if this trade goes down. After everything we talked about earlier, we really just don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's a fun thing to discuss, uh, especially if we could have the possibility of the the Panthers flipping Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun Watson and possibly a guy like Aaron Jones, who's a free agent right now. Hmm. Um, and then the Texans flipping Deshaun Watson into a hell of a lot of draft picks, Christian McCaffrey, and then Justin Fields. So there's obviously... There's a lot that can be discussed there, but um, there we, can is. Get back, we can get back to this in a minute, Kurt. Do you want to take that okay. break right now yes. so we don't get Let's too jumbled up? Take a little break. Go go, go get your uh, your refills on, on snacks, foods, drinks, whatever you're not, and uh, come back for part two of Laces Out. All right, so stick with us. We'll be right back after this word from Anchor. This is Laces Out. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jared Bailey from Laces Out. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. You don't got to pay anything to use Anchor. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, welcome back to Laces Out. Jared Bailey, Kurt Hollis are with you. Thank you to Mike Tanier for joining us in that last segment. Um, so we were talking about possible trade draft, uh, trade draft, whoa, whoa. draft trade ups <laughs> and possible other trades that could happen around the league. And um, obviously in the last show, Kurt brought up his ingenious Panthers, Texans <laughs> trade situation, which I've just ran with and have phrased it as fact at this point, pretty much just yes. assuming it's going to happen. But um no, obviously there's a lot of teams who need a lot done. Um, New York Giants are an interesting team in this draft for me. They sit mm-hmm. at 11 right now. It's all but guaranteed they're going to go with a skill position guy on offense, more than likely a wide receiver or tight end. Mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts to the Giants. It sounds like a nice little fit. It does, except for the fact, is he going to last 10 picks? Because he is arguably, you know, there's some – some very, very good wide receivers in this draft. But he might be the most coveted weapon in this entire draft. Running back, wide receiver, tight end. He's he could do it all. I mean, he is he's a massive man. He's fast. He's got great hands. He can get up. He he 
he's the all around package that you want. And, you yeah. know, you look at, you look at tight ends and it's, it's not easy for them when they first come into the league because it's, it's a demanding position. I mean, you have to be able to run block. You have to be able to pass block. You have to be able to be quick enough to, to beat the linebackers. You have to be big enough to be able to beat the corners and it's tough, but I really think that Kyle Pitts could be one of these guys that, that is just a for sure hit. You know, you, you, there's no, there's no definites in the draft. There's no definites in life, but there's no definites in the draft. It just seems like he's that guy that whoever gets him, he's going to produce. He's going to help that quarterback. And I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. Um, so I don't know if he gets past a team like, like Philadelphia or even mm-hmm. maybe Cincinnati or somebody that wants to trade up to get him. Yeah. The thing about Kyle Pitts is that he's more – I think he's going to be better suited predominantly as a slot guy. If yes. they just transition him to be a, a full-time slot receiver who yep. can line up with his hand down at some point. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's definitely the best role for him. It's just, he's just this mammoth human being who can catch <laughs> anything you throw at him. Um, so I think that that would be his best role predominantly, but like you said, Philadelphia's the interesting one to me, because if that's the route that they see him as, I don't know if he gets past six, I have them taking Devontae Smith right now simply because they just need receivers and he's the best mm-hmm. one there. Um, but Kyle Pitts to Philadelphia is something that would not shock me in the least if it does happen. Um, you look at the other teams there, if Carolina decides, if the whole Deshaun Watson thing with Carolina doesn't happen, I would be incredibly shocked if he doesn't go to Carolina at eight one. I couldn't tell you the tight end who played for them last year. Ian Thomas. I know. Ian, that so, yeah, we, we, we did this last episode time. and I still <laughs> didn't remember. So Ian yeah. Thomas. So Ian Thomas, I'll say that Kyle Pitts is better than Ian Thomas by a wide margin. And they can just do so much with him offensively. So if that doesn't happen, I could see him going anywhere between five to Cincinnati, which would still shock me because they need a lot of offensive line help. And I still think they go offensive linemen, but anywhere in that six to eight range, it wouldn't shock me if he went there, but if he doesn't, I think the giants are just hand in glove fit. There, there is a lot for, for teams like Philadelphia, for teams that, that desperately need that offensive help this is a perfect draft because there are three wide receivers that you could make a case to be the best wide receiver in this draft. I mean, Jamar chase sat out last season for LSU. He opted out. So I, a couple of weeks ago, if you would have asked me, I would have put Devonte Smith as my number one wide receiver. Um, I'm leaning towards Jamar chase. Now I don't know where, where you sit on this for the wide receiver rankings. Um, but it seems like you can't go wrong. You really can't. The only one that, that makes me a little nervous is Jalen Waddle, obviously because of the injury. He was out for the majority of the year. We see him coming back in the championship game, just hobbling around. But it, 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 it would make me a little nervous to bring in a guy like that when there's so many other options and great weapons around him that you could pick. Um, so I, I, if I'm Philadelphia, I think I go Jamar Chase. You know, Kyle Pitts is a great weapon, and I, I it's it's a tough, tough decisions to make there. Um, that's why I'm not in the front office. But uh, I do want to talk about real quick because it seems like every mock draft that I see, every article that I read, every you know anything draft, I see a lot of people linking the Chargers to a, a wide receiver in the draft, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, maybe you have a, another point of view from this but mike williams keenan allen you know hunter henry's a free agent who knows if he'll end up back in uh in la austin eckler they have 
more than enough talent. They need that. I think they need some other positions, offensive line, linebacker. They need something else. I don't think they need to go wide receiver in the first round. They need offensive linemen like a fish needs water. Yes. I mean, they, one with Mike Pouncey retiring alongside his brother, they're going to mm-hmm. need guys to really supplement that offensive line. Not to mention the fact that Justin Herbert was running for his life throughout the yes. season last year because one, lots of guys got injured up front. Two, even when they were completely healthy, they had they had some problems on the outside. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they go offensive lineman. Let me see who I actually had them taking. Um, I had them taking Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern okay. at 13, which would be a big yep. pickup for them. So I think someone like that where they can just give Justin Herbert more time to throw, not have him run around like a chicken with his head cut off because he's about <laughs> to get sacked, will be beneficial toward them. And I want to come back to the wide receiver point because it seems to me that over the past few years, the guy who gets the most hype coming out, it's usually one of these guys that doesn't get a lot of the attention that seems to rise above expectations. Last year, it was Ruggs. It was Judy, um, CD Lamb. CD Lamb was good. Justin Jefferson was better than all of them. He's the yep. fifth receiver taken because Jalen Reeder went right before Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And then the year before mm-hmm. that, everyone's talking about Hollywood Brown, Nikhil Harry, and then yep. DK Metcalf has been the cream of the crop of this draft. Deontay Johnson led all rookies in receptions that year. Terry McLaurin has been very good. So all these guys that are going early, getting all the hype, and I think that's why teams are a little bit more hesitant to take wide receivers unless they're a desperate need in the early rounds because these mid-round guys seem to blossom quicker than the guys who go earlier. So yes. I think we're starting to see a pattern in which, you know, guys who go between second and fourth round are developing much quicker and becoming mm-hmm. much more useful than a guy like Nikhil Harry who's looking like a ginormous bust at this point. It's Yeah, I mean, that's why I think there's two guys that, that come to mind to me just right off the bat for not forgotten but i don't think they're getting enough credit for this draft and it's because they both opted out from the past season Uh, micah parsons and jamar chase are two of the top prospects in this entire draft and i feel like a lot of people are forgetting about them and that's not a good idea if if you're forgetting about these guys and you're sitting at you know position 12 or 10 or 11 whatever because just because they sat out, just because you don't have, you know, film from this past year to watch from them doesn't mean that, you know, a Zavin Collins is better than a Micah Parsons. I, I think, yeah, I've seen, a, I've seen a few mock drafts that have Micah Parsons drop into the twenties. Absolutely not. I, you know, if he played, he could potentially, I think would have been a, a top five pick. I, I think this guy is another one of those guys that you look at, I think he's a for sure hit. I think you bring him in. He can be the guy for your defense. He can be the quarterback of your defense in that linebacker position. Michael Parsons is the best linebacker in this draft. And yes. I think a lot of what you said rings true because he didn't play this past season and just focused on getting ready for the draft and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think guys like that defensively, they can benefit from that a lot more than a guy like Trey Lance who we're not seeing. I believe he's not playing this year, right? I know that North Dakota state just began their season. He's not the quarterback. Yeah. Um, so um, I think for quarterback, it's a little bit trickier because if you draft a quarterback like Trey Lance who didn't play last season and you want to redshirt him, that's two years that he's gone without playing actual yes. live football. So if you do draft him, you pretty much got to play him at some point this season because you got to see what he can do um, mm-hmm. after such a long time without playing. So, But for a guy like Michael Parsons now, if he's the best linebacker in this draft. He's so versatile. You can put him on the inside. He can come off the edge. You can do a lot with him. And, um, you know, I know that I mean, you said Zayvon Collins, who I believe was like the defensive player of the year from Tulsa yeah. um, from what are they in the Mac? Uh, I'm going to say they're in the Mac. Sure. I don't, I, yeah, that sounds about right because UB's in the Mac and I think yeah. they, they played Tulsa. So yeah. So, 
something like that where he's phenomenal, but Michael Parsons is just better. And I mm-hmm. think those guys do get forgotten about. And you're going to see other guys' stock rise because they were there playing. So mm-hmm. a guy who could have been, you know, um, you know, mid-second round could creep into the late first round over a guy who was projected higher, but he right. didn't play. So, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of guys in this draft that fall just because they didn't play, just because yep. it's it was a weird year, you know, they sat out or whatever. And you're going to be able to find some serious talent in the second and third round that could have possibly been a first round talent. So, um, it's I, I'm excited for this draft for that reason alone. Uh, but I want to talk about you know, this is just kind of something I was thinking about positional rankings as a whole. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, love, love. I have a huge crush on a ton of offensive line talents in this draft. What what position group would you say is the strongest in this draft? You know, is it the, is it the quarterbacks? Is it the running backs, wide receivers? I would say, I think there's going to be, you know, it's not the sexy position, but I think there's going to be a lot of starting offensive linemen that we see in 10 years and say they're from the 2021 draft. I think there are going to be a ton of guys, you know, whether it's a guard center offensive tackle, I think this is a draft to do it. If you need offensive line help. No, I agree with you on that. Um, I think DBs are another big one, especially being down okay. mobile, seeing all of them. They it's a yep. strong class, but offensive line wise. Yeah. It's very stacked. Um, the aforementioned Rashawn Slater, uh, Creed Humphrey, Wyatt Davis, Penny Sewell, um Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater um he was the talk of the senior bowl uh mm-hmm. at center I don't know if he's going to be center in the league you might shift to left guard they might even put him outside Where, wherever he goes he'll be he'll be fun to watch um so offensive line incredibly stacked this year so even if you can't get a guy in the first round you're gonna get find a guy with first round talent in yes. the second so I like the offensive lineman a lot defensive backs though man um I know I've talked about him a lot on Twitter. I'm going to talk about him some more. <laughs> Richie Grant. Yes. Richie Grant from UCF. Um, guy. He, he's a guy that can almost transition if you want to put him in a slot corner role or an outside corner role from safety. He has a, the ability to do it. Uh, he's just a ball hawk, and he's very good at doing it. Um, another guy that's going to go late, Trey Brown from Oklahoma, probably go in the sixth or seventh round. He looked really good. Um, down in Mobile, Afitu Melafamu from Syracuse. He looked really good. Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota. He looked really good. So there's a lot of these mid-round guys that still look really good. Again, had the talent to go and almost any other draft to go and you know, the second round. They're going to fall to the third or fourth round simply because, one, team needs. Two, it's just an incredibly stacked class. I think it's going to be similar to the wide receiver class of last year where there's just so many guys that you know team needs outweigh their talent. So, no, I think that offensive line – and defensive backs, two of the best, probably the two best uh, position groups in, in this class. I, well, we, it's definitely I think not we, quarterbacks. Yes. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, I think we said it, or I said it, or somebody said it a couple episodes ago. This this wide receiver class is getting overlooked because of the talent that we saw last year. But there are a ton, a ton of wide receivers that you can get in later rounds that are going to be very good. Um, I. My, I'm putting this on the record right now because in what are we? We're in March. No, we're almost in March. The draft is almost here. But uh, when the season rolls around and the Bills draft, let me try to get his name right because it's it's a little difficult. Hamsa Nazirudin. Is that you know what I'm talking about? Hamsa Nazirudin, one of my favorite players in this draft. Yes, from FSU. I love this guy. 
And I hope that I can ace his name one day when he's a Buffalo Bill because this guy is going to be very good. I, I love his versatility, and I think you bring him in, you know, with Micah Hyde, with Jordan Poyer in there, he doesn't necessarily have to come in and be a starting safety right away. You can kind of put him, you know, maybe in a big nickel situation. He, he's a big dude. He's 6'4", 220. I mean, he's he can take on, you know, possibly a linebacker – or, sorry, possibly a tight end. He can take that linebacker kind of defensive position because for, for the Bills standpoint at least – they struggled tremendously against uh, tight ends last year. They, they got cooked by Travis Kelsey. They got cooked by Jack Doyle from uh, the, the Colts last year. Over and over and over again, it seemed like every week, you know, Darren Waller, somebody was beating them, and it was usually the tight end. You bring in this guy, 6'4", 220. He's about the size of a, a, you know, a, a tight end in the league or a wide receiver. Put him in that big nickel position and just let him do his work because – and then, and then when, when Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, you know, move on in two, three years, maybe whatever, then you stick him in there at that safety position. He's, I think, you know, he's, he's my number one safety, I think, in this draft. He's a guy that won't go in the first round simply because his coverage skills mm-hmm. kind of falter compared to his ability to play around the line. Yes. And that was evident when he was down in Mobile because – he was constantly, they put him almost at that Sam linebacker spot where he's covering the shallow crosses across the middle, mm-hmm. you know, between the line of scrimmage and the first down marker. But his nose for the ball to get into the backfield off handoffs is insane. His closing speed is disgusting. He's my fa- He was my favorite player to watch. And I get, he's got, I think Buffalo would be a good spot for him simply because he can learn and they don't have to rely on him because they have Poyer and Hyde. He can refine his coverage skills. And when the time comes, they can put him back there and, they could still even play with, you know, his versatility a little bit, you know, in terms of he doesn't always have to be a deep safety. They can still put him up um, near the line of scrimmage where he's almost like a Tyron Matthew in that situation where um, he can come up, kind of call his own number if he sees something. I don't want to compare him to a Troy Palomalo, but I think that would be kind of his role where he's just all over the field. His closing speed is just mm-hmm. very, very good, and his nose for the ball is very good. So uh, Hamza Nasruddin, wherever he goes, if they use him right and – you know, help him get better in coverage to find those coverage skills. He could be a very fun player to watch. Absolutely. Uh, to, to kind of stick with my bills here. I've, I've, I was for a long time looking at offensive line for the first round, the bills are sitting at the 30th pick, but now the fact that Matt Milano is most likely going to uh, walk, he's going to command 15, $16 million a year. Somebody's going to pay him that. And it will probably be the new England Patriots and I'll have to see him twice a year. And I'll just (laughs) feel so upset every time I see it. But one, I I don't want the bills to pay that for Matt Milano. He's a very good linebacker. He's great in coverage. He's great tackler. He's replaceable. I I tweeted that out on a lot of people came at me for it. He's replaceable. (laughs) You know, he's not a, a generational hall of fame. exactly he's not a hall of fame generational linebacker that is just going to be detrimental if the, the team loses it you i think you know at at 30 there should be or if they you know if they really like somebody you move up you can find a nice linebacker there or somebody coming off the edge you know somebody like that but i think you know it depends obviously if a team like cleveland wants to go linebacker but a zaven collins should be there somehow if that one mock draft that I saw that he ends up in the twenties, Micah Parsons somehow gets to the twenties and the bills trade up, I would be ecstatic, but it's not going to happen. Um, 
there's a there's a few good linebackers in this in this class that I think could come in, maybe not you know match Matt Milano's skill set and, and his production for this team, but they could come in, bridge the gap, and maybe in two years they could that player could be what Matt Milano was. You know, if they do go linebacker, my favorite linebacker in this class, aside from Micah Parsons, it's Nick Bolton from Missouri. Um, okay. Nick Bolton is. I'll go. I'll put money on him being the hardest hitter at linebacker in this draft. If you watch any of his film, he yeah. is a thumper. He's, he's um, fun to watch. His, his film is very. He's fun good to watch. in coverage too, which is what they kind of need um, over the middle and handling those tight ends. So, if they just wanted to go straight linebacker and grab Nick Bolton to put next to Trey Edmonds, I'm scared. <laughs> um, there, so there is. I have trouble with with some of the names in this class. The guy from Notre Dame, his uh, name Jeremiah is Jeremiah Owosu Koromora. Yes, yes. I I just Koromoa. I, I, sorry, not enough. I always refer to him as uh, JOK because I yes. just you know I struggle a little bit. But um, he's another piece that I've seen some of the highest of the highs of him going you know anywhere from ten to fifteen in that range, and then I've seen him dropping down to to thirty where the Bills are. So right. Like you said, watch Nick Bolton's film if you haven't yet, because the guy is fun to watch. He he, yes. he flies around that field. Uh, I think he's around six foot. I mean, he's he's your average linebacker, but he can pack a punch. Um, and that's exactly exactly what the Bills need, I think. After yeah, they get JJ Watt, of course. He's probably the best linebacker in the SEC. Uh, he mm-hmm. was just very very good. But yeah, no, a guy like Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa, I think, is a guy who. I think he'll go to Cleveland if they don't get a Nick Bolton or it's going to be a linebacker for Cleveland. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. pretty much guaranteed because they need help at that position tremendously. Um, I think a guy like Zayvon Collins could be available simply because he went to a smaller school, even though he was phenomenal. Um, But no, there's going to be line. This is a linebacker heavy class too, one of the better position groups. It's more of a top heavy position group, but still a very good position group. Um, A guy like Chaz Surratt from uh, North Carolina, the brother of Uh Wake Forest receiver Sage Surratt. He was very good. He was a former quarterback when he got to North Carolina. They switched him to linebacker and he just took to it like a fish to water. I mean, it was, he he was very good. So um, yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be a medley of guys that are available there for them. um, Should they decide to go to linebacker? I currently have them taking, Penn State tight end Pat Fryermuth, um, which one isn't that the most Buffalo tight end name in history? <laughs> Pat Fryermuth from yes. Josh Allen passes to Pat Fryermuth. <laughs> give me the uh, give me the big bodied tight end that just runs you over and isn't too quick, but he can he can do it all. I think he's you know behind Kyle Pitts. Obviously, I think he's he's if Kyle Pitts wasn't in this draft, I think Pat would probably be getting a lot more hype. But because there's the the Jalen Waddles and, and the the Kyle Pitts and Devontae Smith, he's not he's getting forgotten about a little bit. But I think he'll go in the first round, and I think whoever gets him is getting a very talented tight end that we could see put up a lot of touchdowns because I think he's going to be one of those red zone guys, a guy like a Mark Andrews that is just once you're in the end zone, you better triple coverage him because your quarterback's going to be looking to him in the red zone. Yeah, and. I think another thing is the fact that Penn State had a bad season and Fryermuth missed half of it due to injury. Yes. So here's the thing. Kyle Pitts is the better offensive weapon overall. Pat Fryermuth is the better tight end. Um, mm-hmm. yep. And I think I'm, I'm perfectly fine saying that. He's a better blocker. He's better just at, lined up at tight end. You know, you can put Kyle Pitts in the slot and all over the, the field in terms of, you know, where you want to line him up. And in terms of just pure tight end play, I think Pat Fryermuth is the best. Um, but obviously he'll fall simply because, you know, Kyle Pitts is just a better overall weapon. 
And tight end seems to be a position that doesn't tend to go in the first round too much. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited to see where he does go, obviously being a Penn state guy, um, yes, seen a lot of, of Pat Fryer move and we like, uh, <laughs> like what I've seen from him, but of course there's a before, ton be, before we, uh, before we kind of depart here and end this episode, uh, again, thank you to Mike Tanier for coming on our show. I want to talk about one more team, uh, in this draft. <laughs> They need a lot. The New England Patriots are sitting at 15, and will they trade up into the top 10? But if they trade up, what do they do? Because they need quarterback. They need wide receiver. They're getting a lot of pieces back on defense, but I could still see them going with a defensive player just because that's what Bill Belichick does. He loves his defense. So I don't think we see them trade up. That's just not really been the Patriot way is moving up in the draft. Now, granted, usually they're picking around 30, 31, 32, but I just, I I don't see them giving up extra draft capital, giving up that extra depth that they so desperately need and move up from 15 to say, you know, even like a, a team like Carolina that we were just talking about. I think we see them stick there. If a guy like Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle falls, I could see them go wide receiver just because they need so much help on offense. They have nobody to throw to, but they also don't have anybody to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have them taking Mac Jones right now. I've said, said this plenty of times. The first four guys in terms of quarterbacks, that's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. I'm extremely confident. And the top three guys that I just named, they're going to be successful. Justin Fields, I think depending on where he goes, he'll be successful. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was kind of the weakest link of the group, but I could still see him being successful. And I hope he is. Um, after that, it's just <laughs> guys are going to go in the first round simply because teams need quarterbacks. And that's just how the NFL goes. Mac Jones. And they, and is, they, saw, and they saw Mac Jones win a national championship with a – high-class team around him, and they said, wow, shiny Alabama Nick Saban, let's bring him in and see if we can get the most out of him. But you probably won't be able to. Yeah, no, I just don't see – I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I'm just not in on Mac Jones. And He reminds me of just – from the same school, he reminds me of an A.J. McCarron. He's going to come in, he's going to maybe win a game here or there or have a – fancy highlight play but he's going to be a career backup and i hope i hope in 10 years when he's winning an nfl mvp we can come back to this episode and take away this audio and say that he's a career backup and make fun of us but i just don't see it no i think him and kyle trask are going to be phenomenal quarterbacks in the xfl i think that that's if they want to be you know long-term players i think that they can do that i mean they could they could be backups during the NFL season. They could go play in the XFL during the springtime, try to get their stock up, especially if it's a free agent year for them, like a PJ Walker did after he was on the Colts practice squad. And look where that got him. It got him a backup job in Carolina and he started and won a game. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of success stories like that, where guys who kind of falter after coming out, but go to the XFL, improve their image in terms of, or Hey, what if, what if they go to the, the fan controlled league with Johnny Manziel and Josh Gordon? Yeah. Have you watched any of that? I try to, and I, it's horrid. I watched maybe a good two minutes of it and I just, I wasn't couldn't do it. Could not it's, do it. Well, for one, it's a 50 yard field. Yes. So it's tiny, which gives me big arena football vibes. And <laughs> I didn't hate arena football. I mean, you have games and 87 to 70, it was weird, yeah. but 
I'm, I just I'm I can't get behind it's it's a, it is a cool idea I'll give yes. them that you know it gets it has fans involved I'm yes. just not part of that niche exactly I am a NFL through and through college football give it to me I can't do fan controlled um not for me but it's for Johnny Menzel hey whatever Johnny Menzel does to make him happy and still make a little bit of money playing football the more power to Johnny Menzel for doing it I guess yes but no, I mean, it's obviously, it's always fun to talk draft. We're going to be doing it for the next couple months leading up to hopefully one of these guys gets dealt so we can get a clearer image and the dominoes start to fall. Yes. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be Russell Wilson, but Deshaun Watson, it's got to, it's imminent that it needs to happen. It's mm-hmm. just a big if, you know, if Houston decides to, to do it. It wouldn't yep. shock me if they don't because they're a poorly run organization. <laughs> but no, I think it's pretty clear at this point that it does need to happen and sooner rather than later, because the draft is a month and a half, pretty much two months away. It needs mm-hmm. to happen because if they go into the draft with a quarterback that has made it clear, he's not going to play no draft capital and no elite talent on either side of the ball. They're walking into a season where they'll be lucky to go two and 14. <laughs> and that's not what you want. That is not what you want at all. Um, no, I don't. I, I think, I mean, that trade should have happened. Houston would have been able to get the most out of him a month ago. That now they teams know that uh, that Houston is just handcuffed. They they have they have no way out of this unless they somehow pull off a trade and get tons and tons of draft capital. Houston's going to look dumb because they they fumbled it. Pun intended. They can't please their players they just their their organization is an absolute dumpster fire coaches head coaches people that it's always been their dream to be a head coach didn't even want to go to houston and you know if they would have done it a month ago as soon as deshaun watson said yeah you know i think i want to trade houston said okay fine you know we're not going to win this battle let's trade you away we'll get some high-end talent and a few nice draft picks sure but now teams know Hey, Deshaun doesn't want to play for you. What else are you going to do? You're going to let him sit out and then you look even more dumb. So I think Houston is just going to be bad for the next, what do you say? Five, eight, five to eight years. Depends on how this goes. (laughs) Um, If they do, if they, if they don't trade Deshaun Watson and he honestly just doesn't play this year and they win a game or two. I, I forget what the number is for, because he can sit out the first – I think he has to play like six games and he gets paid, right? I, I think yeah, it's, something like that. I, I believe it's – so he could sit out and the final six games of the year say, all right, fine, I'll come play, I'll get my money. But he can sit out for training camp, OTAs, first couple games, preseason, and then what? Then Houston's really not going to get anything. Well, they'll get something for him, but they're not going to get anything like they would have a month ago. I mean, yeah. it's just a – if they situation. were if they were smart just accommodated it they would have had 20 teams blowing up their phone minimum saying all right bidding war yep let's go and they yep. could have gotten a giant overhaul they could have got three ones three twos they could have got just literally for the next three years one team's like half of one team's draft for the next yeah. three years and been able to rebuild this thing and try again yeah and the fact that they keep doing this, the price keeps going down and down mm-hmm. and down until they back themselves into a corner. They're not going to get nearly the haul and they're going to be left. If they somehow mess all of this up, 
going from a year in which Bill O'Brien traded away DeAndre Hopkins for next to nothing, gets mm-hmm. fired. They win four games. Then they lose Deshaun Watson for next to nothing. Oh, or not, maybe not next to nothing, but not nearly for what they could have got and are sitting as <sighs> a 3-13 and 13 team for the next three to four years. After go down as the worst one-year stretch in the history of football. After being embarrassed by the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, being up 24 points and then ruining that. Yeah, it's Houston between the Astros and now the Texans and the James Harden. It's Houston. I feel bad for your sports cities. I mean, it's... It is uh, your sports teams are, are struggling, but you know that's okay. Maybe this is the draft where they find their their hidden gem, and I don't even know the second round or something. Just let them rename the team the Oilers and bring back those amazing <laughs> uniforms. So at least they have something to look forward to. Bring one back, is- bring back Warren Moon, just because Sean Watson doesn't want to play there anymore. Bring him out of retirement. For one, the Texans is a stupid name. Two, their logo and uniforms are the worst in the game. Oh come so- on, worst in the game. I hate their uniforms and their I don't like it at all. I don't I don't think they're bad. I mean, I don't think it's a great logo or but I don't think it's the worst in the league. I, I think that's a that's a hot Who take. do you think's worse? Let's go through right now. <sighs> okay, real quick here. Um let's see. I would say I I don't think they're terrible. They're just so boring it hurts is the, the Detroit Lions Detroit I like the Lions new stuff I think it was Jesus. I like the, I like they're all grays they're all grays are nice okay I I hate I hate Cleveland's jerseys I hate Tennessee's jerseys you hate um, Cleveland's I hate Cleveland's brown fat face mask if they went back to gray face mask with the old jerseys love it brown and orange do not go together I don't I don't know uh, what you differ on that I don't know what your closet looks like, but brown and orange do not go together. And I will say I don't have a lot of orange because orange exactly. is an ugly color, but I do like... Exactly. You just proved my point. That's the thing, though. It is an ugly color, but I'll make the exception because... I mean, I like the Bengals uniforms, and I don't like orange. Yeah, that's Which, true. apparently, they're getting new threads, apparently, and I need yes, to see what they look that like. that is true. Just like I think they got, released them next month, actually. Just like you got tricked into thinking the Dolphins were going back to their, their old helmets. I look, I got excited <laughs> and I didn't realize it was a fake account. Uh-huh. And yep. I We've helped all been spread there. the fake propaganda. But I yeah. will say I will say this. If New England went back to their old logo with the you know the, oh, the center holding the ball Patriot the Patriot Pat. Like, yeah, sure. Well, I don't even know. What I think that's his name. name. Their jerseys right now, their their uniform, I think they might be the worst. Okay, you convinced me. The Patriots their, their have the logo, worst. Their logo is putrid. I, I hate their logo. I mean, I, I'm probably biased because I can't stand the Patriots, but you can't tell me that that's a cool logo. I mean, it's... I like I like the Patriots logo, but they saw what the Houston what Houston's uniforms look like and said, "Let's do that, but worse." <laughs> and yeah, if they I'll went say... back to their old logo, I love that logo with the Patriot and holding the snap about. Oh, that's that's great. When they, like... I remember the game. I think it was in like '08. They were playing against Tennessee in the snow, and the Titans were wearing their Oilers uniforms, uh, yes, and it yes. was poetic. It was gorgeous. <laughs> I I think. Patriots dropped like 56 in that game. <laughs> but regardless, yes, I do agree. But yes, we'll have, to, we'll have to have an episode of just ranking uniforms. Next show, NFL we're ranking teams. all 32 NFL teams uniforms. So tune in for that because <laughs> we can only talk about so much news that isn't happening in terms exactly. of the Sean Watson trade for so long. We, so we gotta... can make we can make as many mock drafts as we want, but it doesn't mean a thing. So maybe we'll talk about the hard facts of uniform rankings. Tell you what we can do. We can do like a live stream of it. That way we can provide visuals. Okay. Because we can, we can, cl- we can do we like throwbacks and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah. Right. And I'm maybe, on a different we'll computer right now. Yeah. I'm on a computer okay. right now that actually works. 
So oh, okay. Yeah. Did you get a new computer? Um, it's from the school. Okay, nice. For my Jared, work, but, yeah, Jared, Jared had some serious issues with connection on his old laptop. I don't know why, but just did not like when we recorded. So no, glad to hear not. that. Yeah, so next episode or on a live stream, just follow our Twitters and we'll be able to put it out for you. We'll, we'll do some Jersey talk because this well, is... Well, Jared, where can they find you on Twitter then? Oh, that's what we call a segue <laughs> in the industry. You can yes. find me on Twitter at jbaileynfl. Um, like I said, it's kind of that period where it's a lot of draft talk. You'll get my Trey Lance film session, the third one of those later on. I promise you guys a Hamsa Nasruddin one, which apparently Kurt will Ooh, like. yeah, so, give me that, give me that. So I will be doing a Hamsa Nasruddin one. I'll try to get that done before the end of the week. Um, I'm now, I guess I can make this career announcement, even though it happened a few days ago. You, you guys listen to this. It's a football podcast. You follow me for my football stuff. But I am now the editor at Oil on White, Fansided's Oilers page. Yes, so sir. Any sort of, you know, hockey. Golf clap over here. Appreciate that. So go ahead and follow uh, Oil on White. It's spelled W-H-Y-T-E. Uh, over on Twitter and all the fan-sided pages that you can. A uh, ton of great, talented people at fan-sided. So all your hockey stuff you can also get uh, from Oil on White and fan-sided. But Kurt, where can they find you? You guys can find me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, Hamaser, H-A-U-M-E-S-S-E-R-88. I don't have exciting news about hockey. Um, I'm a little upset with my Buffalo Sabres. But that's, Other than Jack Eichel is going to be traded soon. That's not happening, and that's a different story for a different podcast. But uh, <laughs> you guys can find me on Twitter there. All your Bill stuff. When J.J. Watt signs, we can celebrate together. Maybe I'll start a live stream if he signs with the Bills, and uh, we can enjoy ourselves because, you know what, there's not much to really cheer about today. I think I, I tweeted out the video from um, – from uh, the the Bills Steelers game last year when when they played Renegade, mm. I think I, I think I got the Bills fans moving a little bit because we we don't have anything to cheer for. So I had to bring that up. You know, great time in Bills history. So uh, yeah, follow me along there, and we'll we'll have some fun for the rest of this offseason. We do get another matchup between Pittsburgh and Buffalo this yes. season. So. Yes, we do, and hopefully you and I can can go to that game and do something that, there because. Yeah. We were we were we wanted to do it last year in Pittsburgh, but then it got switched to a Sunday night game, and it was kind of just up in the air. And obviously, this year we didn't have fans, so hopefully next year. Yeah, hopefully we can get you know some some creds and go there and not have to worry about tickets yes. this time. But um, okay, yeah, that would be nice. We'll do a nice little live broadcast from. Is it in Heinz Field or is it in Buffalo? I feel like it's in Heinz Field. I believe it's in Buffalo. Oh, it's in Buffalo. Again? I thought it was in Buffalo. I don't know. I'd have to look, but. Regardless, we're going to do our damnedest to be there and give you yes. guys some good content throughout the week because obviously there's some, you know, being a Steelers fan, Kurt being a Bills fan. It makes <laughs> sense. So, yes, thank you as always for listening to the show. Thank you to Mike Tanier for joining us, providing his expert analysis and almost making me spit out my water with the joke he told. Uh, I always appreciate you guys listening. Um, for the past year, you guys have really just helped this grow into something that we go ahead, Kurt. We hit 2,000 listeners on uh, on our podcast. I forgot to text you that. We hit 2,000 followers. Wow. So let's do a little clap for everybody that's uh, listened to us. 2,000 times people have pressed play it on one of our episodes, and I really did not expect that. But I appreciate you because when we started this, I just wanted to talk some football. And now we've got a little bit of a following, and I appreciate the hell out of everybody that's ever supported us. So thank you. Yes, it does mean the world to us. And, um, you know, being the fact that, when we started this, um, we didn't know exactly where it would go. You know, we knew we wanted to do it. We knew we were talented in this industry. But, you know, with a trillion different podcasts to listen to, the fact that 
we actually have a following who cares about what we say. It means a lot to us. So thank you to everybody for tuning in once again. Talais is out. We will be back later on, if not this week, early next week for another edition of Laces Out. Keep an eye out for the Jersey stream because that is something that will be happening and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So thank you to you guys as always. This has been Laces Out. For Kurt Homiser, I'm Jarrett Bailey. We'll catch you in the next one. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.